Welcome to EHS on Tap. I'm your host, Jay Kumar, Editor-in-Chief of EHS Daily Advisor. This week, I talked to Michael Kleeman, a member of the Scientific Advisory Council with the American Red Cross and head of their Disaster Cycle Subcouncil about how businesses should prepare for hurricanes. And now, on to the interview. All right, I'm joined today by Michael Kleeman, a member of the Scientific Advisory Council of the American Red Cross and head of the Disaster Cycle Subcouncil. Welcome, Michael. Thank you very much. That was a mouthful. It was. Um, before we get started talking about uh, preparing for hurricane season, I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit more about yourself. Yeah, so I've been um, working in the field for around 40 years now of, of disasters and resilience, uh, both with the Red Cross, where I started in the 90s as a national board member, and then um in the San Francisco Bay Area, where I became a local board member and helped start something called the Prepare Bay Area Program with the basic idea that when a disaster strikes, the first responders are not going to be the police or the fire. It's going to be the people that are in the room with you at the time. And so if we had at least one out of every four people prepared to deal with disaster and can help their neighbors, we'd have a much more resilient capability. And sadly, I think um, that's even more so the case as we're increasing the frequency and the intensity of things that impact our lives. So I think preparedness is really quite important. Definitely. Well, we've, you know, let's talk about hurricane season. What should businesses know about preparing for, uh, for the arrival of, of hurricanes? Yeah, so I think if we focus for a moment on small business, there's an interesting statistic that um, FEMA has has developed, which I think is is quite relevant here. Which is in in the immediate aftermath of a of a hurricane, 40% of small businesses don't reopen, and and one year later, um, even more small businesses are are likely to close. And what's important is that three quarters of the businesses that don't have some kind of plan are likely to have a massive disruption or actually fail. And so um, I think the way to think about this is natural disasters are inevitable. um, And there are things that we can do that can mitigate a large part of the impact um, that we're likely to expect. Um, and and I guess one sort of thing to do when you're when you're preparing is to do a risk assessment. What constitutes an effective risk assessment for a business? Wow. So um, I think there there are a bunch of things you need to really uh, think about when you when you when you're doing a risk assessment. There are several different dimensions of of what goes into that and let me see if i can just um pull up something because it's a pretty broad field but there are a number of different elements you need to think about uh when you're looking at uh a risk you've got things that are going to affect your employees which is a, a really important issue you've got activities that affect your supply chain you've obviously got activities that'll affect your physical plant. You have activities that'll affect the things that 
enable your physical plant, things like electricity or natural gas, et cetera. Then you have physical security issues that uh, are, are really, you know, uh, uh, tantamount because one of the things that hurricanes do is they really rip up infrastructures. Um, and then there's just the, the you know, and, and, and aligned with that physical security is the whole integrity of, of your physical plant. And the simplest way to think about that is there's a good reason why people um, get plywood and put it over windows if they think a hurricane's about to come because, you know, your, your building uh, integrity can get compromised. And so it's that whole range of things all the way from the, the building uh, through this, the, the, the partners that help you operate and make your business successful all the way down to your employees. And then ultimately the community, because, you know, businesses are both part of and interdependent with their communities. Uh, and what should go into your emergency plan and how often should you train staff on it? Well, I think if you think about it, an emergency plan for a business is comparable to um, an emergency plan for for an individual. And, and I'm going to bounce back and forth, if you don't mind, between individual preparedness, because that's as important, because if you have a building but no people, you don't have a business, right? Um, but I think to your question, you really want to um, have a few things. Essentially, you need to know your physical plant, um, your site maps, your building plans, uh, where the control points are, electrical, water, natural gas. Uh, you need to know where you can shut these things off. Uh, one of the biggest risks in, in any kind of major physical disruption is disruption of natural gas lines. And when they break, you create fire hazards, right? And, uh, you know, if you're from the Bay Area, the people in San Francisco don't talk about the earthquake of 1906. They talk about the earthquake and fire because the fire did most of the destruction. And so you really want to know those things. You want to know the basic things. You need to have your insurance policies. Who do you call? Um, who can help you when there, there's an issue? You need to have employee contact information and employee identification information. And increasingly, if you're a business of any scale, uh, the you can get uh, systems or you can subscribe to systems that will let you reach out by phone or text to all your employees to get the notifications. They can send back information so you can find out their status. Um, you need to be able to communicate with your employees and, and mobile phones are really important. Uh, you need to have your bank and your financial records because you wanna have backups of that in case those are destroyed or disrupted. And everything that you need to run your business, your suppliers, your shipping contact lists, uh, all the business partners you have, you sort of have to assume what if I came into my office tomorrow and nothing that I did, nothing that I had to run the business with was there? So you want to have a backup of all of that and have it, and probably a couple of versions of it. And then you want to you basically want to run what's called a tabletop exercise. Mm -hmm. um, bring the people that would be involved in a response in preparedness and response and spend half a day walking through a scenario, okay, we have this kind of hurricane, we know it's coming, what do we do, all right? It's just struck, 
What do we do, right? And then at each step of what do we do, who do we need to have involved? Where are we going to take plywood? Where are we going to get plywood? Should we store some of it in advance knowing we live in a place where this is going to happen over and over and over again, right? And we know those things become scarce supply when the, when the flags go up. And so you can do that exercise and get all the people in the room. And then you should probably do that at least once a year, just to keep the muscle memory in, in people. And so they remember what's going on. Uh, what considerations should go into your company's role in the community during a disaster? And you, you mentioned tabletop exercises, which can also involve community uh, responders and, and agencies. Yes. But, but what are you know what are some of the things that you should think about you know as you sort of prepare um, with your you know in terms of the community? Yeah. Well, it it depends upon what kind of business you're in. Um, you know, if you are a, a large retailer in your community, it, it's very different than if you're a manufacturer of items that entirely get exported out of the community, right? But there are a few things you should you should think about. The first is um, you want to be as prepared as you can as a business and help your employees to be as prepared as you can in order to minimize the the resources the rest of the community have to give you in response so the more you can take care of yourself and your employees the less you're going to put a demand on scarce resources during a disaster so i think that's really important the second is if you have things that are useful to members of the community in their day-to-day -day lives um make sure you're able to help people with that if you're in 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 the food business you know, it's very important to think about how would you mobilize after an event to make sure people had food or or could be, you know, or could be fed effectively. If you can provide shelter uh, or or help with that, if you have a logistics fleet and you and you could dedicate some of them to helping moving things around, if you're a, a building supply store, you could just sort of think about what would my role be after an event? Who would come to me for things where I could be of assistance? And then begin to make some contacts with your local emergency operations center, uh, which is usually run at the county level, so they know you have those assets and you're willing to partner with them, and they have a couple of points of contact for it. And and the last area, I think, is after um, an, an event occurs, the more prepared your organization is and the more you can get back to some degree of relative normal the better. And that goes across the board. If you are just an employee, a manufacturer, having your people go back to work and having some stability, knowing their income safe, et cetera, is a very big deal. If you're a retailer, having retail stores open, the degree of normalcy that you as a business can bring back to the community is, is really important. And then the last thing is work with your local municipalities and make sure they know what assets you have and you understand what needs they have so you can communicate well. Um, what should businesses consider when preparing for business continuity after a hurricane? Obviously, you know, depending on the damage that can that can vary, but you know, what are some of the things that they should be thinking about, uh, you know, to keep things going, especially if, if it's a particularly severe event? Yeah, and, it, and again, it really depends upon the degree of damage and the kind of asset. Um, there, there are a few things. One is 
Um, if you build into your activity a degree of resilience up front so that you minimize the impact of a single point of failure, uh, that's that's really important. Um, I don't know if you remember, but there was a major earthquake in Kobe, Japan 20, 30 years ago, and Toyota had one manufacturer that made brake cylinders, and it got destroyed. And that basically shut down Toyota's manufacturing, except that manufacturer was willing to share their tooling and their designs with three other manufacturers so they could get Toyota back up and running. So the idea of having backups even to the point of critical supply elements is is really important. And you can do that just with relationships and some pre-planning. That's a lot of what's important in continuity of operations. The other is you're, all of us are dependent upon our colleagues to be able to come to work and work. And so business continuity also means continuity and security of, you, of the people that support you. Um, and one of the most amazing stories I ever heard post a major hurricane was the uh, oil companies in the Gulf Coast went out of their way to make sure their employees uh, where housing was destroyed, had safe housing, were able to get back to work because they knew if their employees were distracted, they couldn't run their, their refineries. So, you know, think about your employees in that way. Um, and, uh, you know, I think the most important thing is to really be prepared Lastly, um, on the financial side, if you do have to do some reconstruction, um, understand what resources are available from FEMA and the federal government uh, to help with that and accelerate the recovery and have good relationships with your insurance companies because um, you're likely to have to make big claims and rapid access to funding can make the difference between a company that survives and one that doesn't. Definitely. Um you mentioned, uh, you know, having uh, either mobile phones or something or, you know, having text set up uh, to communicate with employees, uh, you know, in the event of a disaster. How important is sort of the role of communication during uh, and after uh, a hurricane? Um, it is probably one of the five most essential things you you you, you need to have. Um, you need to call for help, right? You need to know it, uh, one of the biggest concerns individually after any kind of event is your loved ones will want to check in on you. You want to be able to find and keep your family safe and together. As a business, you want to be able to know where and how your employees are and also how you can reach the rest of your business value chain, your suppliers, your distributors, etc. And so, uh, communications is, is, you know, as I said, one of the top things, you know, physical security is up there, food and water are up there, right? But communications is really quite important. And so you need to think about what could possibly go wrong and build contingencies. Um, I cannot tell you how many emergency battery packs I have for my cell phones. Mm. I could keep my cell phones running for a month without any uh, city power. So, and and I'm a little crazy about that, but I think the real issue is, it, this is part of the tabletop. One of the things you want to think about is what could possibly go wrong? What would the impact of it be? How could I mitigate it? What are the economics around mitigating it? And what could I do that reduces my risk that actually I could reuse in other ways? 
if I needed to. If you think about a cell phone battery pack, well, if you travel, most of us drain our phones and we're always looking for power somewhere. You carry an extra battery pack, you know, that's one less worry when you're on the road and it's also good in case something bad happens. And, uh, you know, if it's a really bad uh, disaster, you know, cell networks could get knocked down or overloaded. Uh, so you should probably should consider, you know, having another form of communication as well. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So there's there's a couple things. One is there's always physical. You should always have a place, uh, a rally point or some place where, you know, people can can get together. And if the cell t- if the cell towers lose power, they get knocked out and we need to get together. Let's agree the day after the event at one o'clock, we're going to try to meet here as many of us who can. Right. Um, the other is. Um, know that if there if, if communications networks are congested that um text messaging um actually is the the most likely thing that will get through um it uses a, a a tiny amount of the available capacity that a voice call does your video calls are the worst thing to do during an emergency yeah, yeah. right just because they eat up so much capacity and the the other thing that most people don't know about texts is that when you try to make a phone call, it's it's a real-time or isochronous communications. Text are asynchronous. The networks can actually buffer it and store it. So you may not get the text immediately, but when the network comes back up or connections are remade, okay. you'll get that text. And so that's really an incredibly useful tool. Definitely. Um, you mentioned you know, you've been sort of working uh, on disaster preparedness for about 40 years or so. What have you seen in terms of the general level of preparedness? Is it better than it used to be just because we've had, you know, sort of so many events that we've had to deal with and are people taking things more seriously now than they used to? You know, one of the ironies is that um, human beings have sort of a, a short memory uh, there's there's a concept called a social discount rate. If if things are three or four years out, we tend to value them close to zero, right? Because it it and there, there's a good there's a good historical reason for that. I won't go into. So if there's been a recent event, your level of preparedness is likely to be very high. If if there's been no events in your community for five or six years, your level of preparedness really drops. And that's part of the reason why an annual uh, an annual uh, tabletop or an annual refresher really is important just to keep people aware of this and to think about what you would do. There, there are there are there are some some things that have begun to make a difference. There are a wonderful set of um, mobile apps and the Red Cross has a really good suite of emergency apps that can be used to let you know when something's coming good local checklist that you can keep with you, tips for communicating with you know, family members. And the idea that our mobile phones are increasingly part of our day-to-day lives, or for some people, the center of their <laughs> communications. Yeah, well, um, you know, but, but those apps can be really valuable. Um, the other thing is the internet has allowed us to create toolkits, and there are two that I want to site one is red cross is something called ready rating that we developed over the last 15 years um and it's you know ready rating one word dot org 
and it's got complete set of tools if you want to prepare as a business. You can do a quick assessment. You can do a detail assessment. It gives you checklists um, and a whole set of resources all the way from emergency lighting issues to training an emergency response team to creating you know, a, a contact center. Uh, how do you deal with challenges for people who have disabilities? Um, how do you rate the highest and lowest risks and a whole bunch of things all in one really useful toolkit. And, and the other place, you know, FEMA has got some great resources yeah. uh, on their in their website, including one directly focused on hurricane called, you know, the Ready Business Hurricane Toolkit, which your listeners can just do a search on. And it's available in a couple of languages and not as comprehensive as Red Cross's tools. It's not as not as deep and it's not as interactive, but it's a great resource. And I would just have people look at these resources and begin to to use them. Well, Michael, that's great information. Uh, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been great. Well, I really appreciate what you do and and and, and your listeners. Um, I hope this helps them. And, and also they should all know and you know that um, the local Red Cross chapter is is always available uh, to help and uh, help train people and, and uh, provide other resources. So thank you for for the time. All right. That wraps up episode 171 of EHS on Tap. You can find more information about the show and listen to on-demand episodes at ehsdailyadvisor.blr.com. You can subscribe to the show wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I hope you join me next time. Thank you.